In 2011, my partner and I moved from, well, she was living in Vienna, Austria. I was living in Philadelphia in the United States. And we moved together to Oslo, Norway. I had gotten a position conducting research in web accessibility policy. Now, this is all about policies that are intended to promote or encourage businesses to make their websites accessible for persons with disabilities. Now, that's a long, very academic way of putting things. We just wanted to make the web uh, usable for people with disabilities. That's all. Um, I didn't know what this field was about when I first entered it. I kind of had little to no clue. I had a vague idea about web accessibility as a kind of discipline within computer programming, but I never thought of it as a field of research. And I've mentioned this before in the podcast. So I was really unsure kind of what I was getting myself into. And then I kind of kept my mind open and, you know, it was my job. So I just came here and I started digging in. I read as much of the literature as I could around this, uh, this field, which turned out to be not so much. It was a field that had just kind of started back in the 1990s, around when the World Wide Web was invented. And there wasn't a lot in terms of nitty gritty that I could dig my uh, fingers into. So I still wasn't really convinced that this field was something worth studying. I just figured it would be something I do as a job for a few years, try to reveal some insights and then move on with my life. I wasn't convinced that this was a field worth dedicating my life to. And then I collected data and I traveled all over the United States and the United Kingdom and in Norway collecting data, trying to understand from an expert point of view and how to try to understand from a, a lived experience point of view, what does web accessibility mean? How have these policies kind of come into action and come into practice? And I understood a little bit more about what web accessibility meant, but I still wasn't convinced. I wasn't fully convinced that this was a field that I could have a career in. It was a job and it was kind of limited in scope to that time that I would be running that research fellowship. Honestly, the field at that time just seems really trivial to me. I had come from a public health background, so I was dealing with like epidemics and stuff like that. And I was dealing with issues around HIV AIDS and disenfranchised and uh, disadvantaged populations who were completely marginalized. And I'm sitting here thinking about disability. And yes, there's significant marginalization that happens in uh, that, that affect people with disabilities. But then I'm looking at the web and I'm thinking, okay, is this like a first world problem? Like, is this again worth my dedicating my career to? So I started publishing academic papers and I had a few papers published right off the bat and I was still skeptical. It, the paper writing process helped me at least familiarize myself at a higher level on the issues that were at stake, but I still was kind of skeptical of whether or not this field is something that I want to spend my life doing. Then I turned and I began working as a professor at the Department of Computer Science and it took a lot of kind of working with the academics who are already at that department to understand my relationship to them and their relationship with me. It was kind of like when two kind of like when two dogs meet and they're checking each other out, trying to understand each other before they start playing together. And it was the same with me. I was checking them out. They were checking me out. We were trying to understand where each other were coming from. And uh, 
those conversations really helped me evolve my thinking because I had to explain my research to a group of people who weren't that familiar with it. Uh, a lot of the computer scientists I work with came from a programming background or maybe a networking background, uh, and they didn't necessarily have the same social science focus that my PhD research or my doctorate research had been, uh, had been focused on. Uh, there was a group at the department that was focused on universal design. And so I started connecting my work to theirs. So I said, okay, you know the group that's doing universal design? So what I do is kind of like that. It kind of connects with this issue of universal design. And uh, I then started thinking about how my work relates to other forms of technology. So there was a lot at the time of uh, discussion and talk, and there still is to a certain degree around virtual reality and augmented reality and artificial intelligence. So I really started thinking critically, how can I connect my research to some of these ongoing tech trends that I see like that people are interested in that matter to people? And that became a little bit more compelling for me because I could start to see the longevity of my career in this field and I could start making those parallel connections from web accessibility to this broader idea of universal design and then also to different fields of technology that I was also aware of and trying to understand. So it began to become a more compelling field of study, a more compelling uh, area to dedicate my life to. And then I started supervising students. And I had my first semester supervising students, a wonderful group of bachelor's thesis students that I got to supervise. And I didn't know what I was doing. Well, they were doing their bachelor's thesis for the first time, so they didn't know what they were doing. And we were trying to learn together. And I met an incredible human being who really challenged me. Uh, she took the position, uh, a really critical position uh, against universal design. And this was a field that I was starting to feel good about that. I was like, oh, this is something I could actually get into. And so I was really taken aback. And so I started trying to defend what universal design was and why it was important, why it was re relevant and things like that. And her argument was basically that universal design was at the time oversimplifying a really complex issue, a really complex phenomenon. She took the position that it didn't account for the full spectrum of humanity, the full spectrum of human diversity, and was too narrowly focused in on uh, single groups. Uh, and there was also this issue in, of inclusion versus equality. And so we debated and discussed that quite a bit. Eventually, it came to pass that I kind of said, great, this is, you have a really interesting viewpoint. Let's write a paper together. And we did. We wrote a paper for the, for a, a conference at uh, Cambridge University. And we just kind of wrote it with a hope and a prayer and kind of threw it there, uh, not even expecting it to get accepted. Uh, and it did. So uh, we got funding. So the two of us were able to travel to Cambridge together, present our research. Really, really exciting because, you know, Cambridge University is that, you know, kind of ivory tower university that everybody knows and everybody is aware of the kind of excellence that comes out of there. So we were there at Cambridge. We presented the paper. It went pretty well. Most of the people kind of understood what we were talking about. Great chance to network and everything like that. 
And we left. I had to leave a little bit early, so I'm getting on my flight to uh, back to Oslo, and I get a text message from uh, from this person, and she says that, hey, uh, our paper won best paper at this conference, and it kind of blew my mind. It was just a huge revelation because I had never really thought that the area of research that I was in was deserving that level of recognition by this huge and powerful university, uh, kind of looking at not only the research field that I'm in, but also the work that I had done along with, uh, with my student, my former student. And so this feeling of validation and understanding not only the approach that I took kind of analytically and not only the kind of collaboration I had with my student, but just the ideas that we had captured being validated at that level was, uh, was really, really fulfilling. And so it opened. It opened up a new perspective and a new way of thinking for me about my field. It really helped me understand that what I thought was the convention or maybe even what the convention was at that time was just wrong and that we really needed new thinking and that new thinking could come from me. I never really considered myself as the key candidate for contributing new ideas in this field. But there it was sitting right in front of me. And so I realized that uh, the field needed to evolve and that I was someone who could help make that happen. So the takeaway here is skepticism is awesome. I love skepticism because it gives me a uh, area to focus on. And if I feel skeptical of something, then it's because I don't know enough and I need to investigate further. And if another person is skeptical of something I'm doing, then again, I don't know enough and I need to look in further at what I am doing. So stay skeptical, but also stay open because exactly that reason, areas that you were skeptical of at first could sudden, you could suddenly realize that what that field needs is your contribution. The reason why you're skeptical of it is because it's not aligned with what your knowledge is. And by contributing your knowledge to that field, you could be that catalyst for change.